You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, I I had my trusty sidekick now. Oh, hey, there he is. My trusty sidekick today is uh, the third stringer quarterback of Razor Riffs. <laughs> who uh, desperately wants to be promoted to the second string. <laughs> the second string has a hurt ankle, so he won't be riffing with us today. Wait, hold on. He can't talk because of his ankle problems? Is his, is his mouth on his ankle too? Or? I know. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just I'm, trying just tell, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell the folks at home <laughs> the injury report. Like, come on, guys. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. Um, yeah, I, I, can't, I, can't do this. I can't do this podcast today, dude. I have a headache. <laughs> the great Victor Pacheco's here. Hey, thanks for having me again, Keith. Sorry for interrupting my fucking intro. That's uh, that's not going to happen during during today's oh, show. No worries. And our guest just is in the waiting room, but we should probably we should probably introduce him to uh, to uh, wait. I got confused because two people are now in the waiting room, but we should probably introduce our guest. Uh, you've seen him in Watchmen. You've seen him in Mighty Ducks Game Changer. You've seen him in so many things. Uh, Mulligans, which is uh, one of my favorite. Uh, like, I don't like to admit this, but it's one of my favorite uh, movies. It's like uh, Brokeback Mountain, but golf, not on a ranch. <laughs> broke back mountain not, <laughs> with golf, not on a ranch. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll ask him. I love that. Nice. And nice. then uh, he has a new movie coming out, which I had the name, and then it's called Corrective Measures. That That's it. It's with Bruce Willis. We have the great Dan Payne coming in. Nice. And, Super uh, stoked. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to let Dan Payne in. And I'm assuming his manager wants me to let him in, too, because there's two names on it. I don't know. We'll just let them both in. Okay. So we're connecting to Dan Payne with the audio. Hey, guys. Hey, Dan. How are you, man? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. We just gave you a sweet-ass intro. (laughs) (laughs) Any of it true? (laughs) Yeah. I said, here's the intro. I said, You've seen him on Watchmen. You've seen him on the Mighty Ducks Game Changer and my favorite movie, uh, Mulligans. And then I said, it's like Brokeback Mountain, but with golf. (laughs) That's pretty bang on. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dan, let me introduce you to to, uh, Victor. Victor's the trusty sidekick. He's like the dollar bill to my Watchmen. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Nice to meet you, man. Great to meet you, brother. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, I don't know if you know this, but but we all three of us we have something in common. We have two things in common, actually. Uh, one, we're all good looking, you know. 
I'm gonna, I mean, as long as nobody else is going to dispel that because we're just here, it's just us. Absolutely. Because there yeah. might be some naysayers. There might yeah. be. Yeah. And, you know, screw them. So we're three good looking dudes. Yeah. And then, and then uh, on a serious note, we all, all three of us suffer uh, from a form of depression. Well, there you go. So that we have two great, you know, things going our way, all three of us. Hopefully we got a third one that we're all on a journey towards our mental health. Exactly. There you go. Yes, and then the fourth absolutely. one, we're all going to be best buds after this. Done. Drinking buddies. <laughs> I don't know what we'll be drinking, but we'll be something. It'll be good. Yeah. So how are you doing, man? Uh, I wanted to first talk about your career, then we'll go into the, the depression, then we'll go back to talking about your career. But first, how are you holding up during these, uh, these crazy, uh, two and a half years I'm, I'm doing all, i mean it's a roller coaster i'm sure you know everybody's on the same ride but uh it comes down to support crew i've got an amazing wife my two kids are like absolute rock stars and uh if i keep my focus and perspective then we're on the upside of the roller coaster and then if i you know if i get inside this this thingy here sometimes i go down um, yeah, just maintaining an equilibrium between the inside and the outside, the external and the internal. Do my best. How about you? Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I mean, uh, you know, uh, but I wanted to ask you, like, how how is it like on on sets right now? Like with the protocols, like has it changed a lot? It's an interesting environment. Like I personally try to. One of the things I'm trying to do is make space for everybody, and it it feels like this pandemic has been so polarizing and divisive that it's such a tough topic to bring up because there are a lot of protocols in place and we do get, you know, strangely isolated on set. And then some people have privileges that others don't like, obviously we can't talk with masks on and perform with masks on. It, it just creates a little bit more, it can create more tension if it becomes more of a point of contact or a point of interest versus just being a work environment that we all have to do our best in. Yeah. So I'm personally, I, every day on set's a great day i love it i just try and make sure we make space and enjoy what we're doing um because we're still making movies which is the dream for me and i love it and as long as everybody's having fun doing it then we're good yeah because uh victor and i we we we're not actors like you we we have uh we have pdh degrees and stand-up comedy pdh yeah yeah <laughs> Keith has a pdh i have a phd um <laughs> So, <laughs> Dan, <you're... laughs> if you didn't say anything, I was just about to. I wait, was... no, no. So, PD... I... Wait, are you dyslexic too? Okay. <laughs> hey, man, don't joke. It, yeah, it yeah. affects five out of three people. All right. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no I was just have... talking about my cousin who has dyslexia. No, I wasn't trying to trivialize it. I was just. Keith no, is, no. Keith it, is one it, of my good friends. I... You know what, though? We have to. <laughs> I mean, some of my coping has always been having a laugh and joking and, and is whatever, you know, sometimes whatever gets you through and never to trivialize, but only to help manage. For me, it's only about managing, right? Yeah. Laughter is a hell of a medicine, so. Oh, no, Ooh. definitely, definitely. Like, that's why, because like, that's why I love podcasting, because I also have a, a form of autism called Asperger's. So like, um, when I started doing stand-up comedy, I was very non-social. And then the more I did it, I became more social. And the podcasting really helped me read people better. You know what I mean? Yeah, very cool. Yeah. But what I was going to say is we, we, have, we, we do stand-up comedy, and the COVID protocols now is do jokes and get sick, risk getting sick. 
<laughs> that's pretty much it yeah so i'm just saying it's different the industry they got everything covered right we you know we're getting tested if you're on a show you're getting tested two three times a week and oh so yeah. i wanted to ask you because you started your career as a professional volleyball player and then you know you're you're volley volleyballing right and then you when did you say you know what i'm over volleyball i want to be an actor I mean, it sounds like a logical progression, right? Volleyball. Yeah, yeah because that's how The Rock started, except he, he did it with wrestling, right? Yeah, and football. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, well, for me, my body went, hey, uh, this hurts too much, so let's not do that anymore. And yeah. so that was the pro sports wrap-up. And I absolutely love the, uh, demand, the, the performance demand of being in front of an audience in a crowd and doing something I love doing. And my brother is, uh, he's like you guys. He's very funny. Um, also handsome. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Two for two. Uh, and he, he does a lot of comedy <laughs> and writes and stuff. So, so we, we would work together and, uh, and perform shows at it, like we worked on resort islands and we'd put up shows to, he was a photographer and had concessions. We'd put up shows. So we wrote and performed shows to get more options for, or opportunities for photographs for, resort goers and guests to get memories from their trips. And uh, that was like the first bite of being on stage. And I, I once bitten, I couldn't turn around. I couldn't go back. I just was absolutely all in and it just progressed from there. Did you do a lot of like, uh, cause I know you're Canadian. Did you do a lot of Canadian films to, to get, you know, your start? I actually started in London, England. So I did a few things being, and I, no offense again, not, but I played the big dumb American in a bunch of shows. Oh, so you, so you played Victor. <laughs> yeah. you know. Victor, but not as handsome, maybe a bit taller. Oh, significantly smaller and significantly way more handsome. Than not, <laughs> no subjective, not even worth mentioning. It's, but definitely taller. I'm a freak. Uh, but in London, I got to get, you know, I, I did a, a, a Vietnam movie and they just basically went, all right, you're going to get the lines that make you seem a little bit unaware and you're going to have the big gun. So the big gun, the dump, you know. Yeah. And uh, a couple commercials and just getting some more experience on set and learning how to fall on my face a lot because uh, I didn't know anything. I, I, I went in with a heck of a lot of like full of passion and no kind of awareness. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm also of the guy. I'm the guy who believes like just trial by fire i'll i'll learn by trying Trial yeah. i think that's the way everyone learns these things you know like uh i've tried to do some acting and you know i think i did stand up to get into acting like as a vehicle but then as i did stand up i'm kind of like i don't want to do acting you know what i mean yeah so Nobody, i don't know if, you, if I, you find your world though like it's it's performance i, I think it's just a different vehicle to help you with your creative outlet yeah and for you you're killing it at stand-up and that's the thing that brings you the joy and you know well, i didn't say I'm, killing it i'm just <laughs> i'm doing my best but yeah come on if we're gonna take the handsome <laughs> mantle we gotta take the killing it mantle too right that's yeah that's i was just trying to say i like the fire i don't know yeah well that's the the fire that builds the passion that keeps me going i i just Hey, Victor, why is there steam behind you? Are you on fire? Uh, 
Are you implying I look flaming? Um, no, um, that is a, that's a joint. That's a joint uh, that I'm trying to be discreet about, which I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, God, please don't notice that. Um, but you know, I'm just like, oh, God, like, I hope he doesn't think I'm getting stoned. Like, I actually have an injury right now. And so, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, not be like, oh, fuck her. Uh, it has nothing to do with you. It's just me. I'm just a big oaf. And so I started laughing while you're talking about, like, yeah, I played the big, dumb American. I'm like. Fuck, am I really a big dumb American? That's the first time I've ever been called that without Not the word all. Mexican. So I mean I speak like a white guy, but you know. I can't wait for like Victor. A- I gotta put my camera off and then just you hear self-conscious. Yeah, and also I don't know why Keith lumped me and him in the good looking category because that you're a nice guy. Plus, you're Canadian, and so, like, you're not going to say, oh, sorry, 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 folks. Yeah. You're not handsome. Um, or at least not traditionally handsome. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, man. I, like, I, I'm grateful for any compliment because it helps fill that void, right? And we're going to get to that later. But, man, it's such a subjective thing. What I love is that handsome comes in any shape and size. That's the thing. So, you guys are handsome as hell. And I, if you think I am, then I'm grateful for the compliment. I, I don't know. I just, right? Like, <laughs> I'm looking at you, like all these different pictures. Every like, I'm looking like you know to to ask good questions, which I haven't got to yet. But um, I'm I'm looking at you, and I'm like, wow, this guy's like really hot. And like, I'm a straight guy, and very very you know um, secure with who I am and confident. It's just like, yeah, I could I could recognize a guy. Like, yeah, he probably gets hella babes. And then when you have two kids, well, you I was just like, of course, at least Dan. Dan, least. you should hear what he said about Thank me you, when baby. I first met him. Oh yeah. <laughs> we were in a green room we were in the green room of a comedy club so yeah. it wasn't being recorded for the masses it was between two asses and uh, <laughs> we we just had a good time and it was like he, he diagnosed he diagnosed me with autism the first time we met never the doctors never called me autistic he did within like five minutes of talking to me and i'm like why he's like you're very blunt and you don't you're very free flowing with your words i'm like Oh, then I guess everyone in my family is autistic then, too, because there's something of- beautiful about that blunt, though. Like, you don't have to guess. You never wonder where you stand. You don't know. You know, you don't have to. There's a lot less gameplay. I kind of I don't know. I dig it. I, okay. I dig. Yeah. You, you were casted as the handsome executive. And it's a very merry uh, Muppet Christmas movie. You were like a Adonis. So I have a question. What do you have any advice to give not so good looking people to feel empowered and maybe feel good looking? Or is it just like a mindset? Because you actually look good looking. So and like, is there like any tricks for us not as good looking dudes as yourselves? That you but that do? doesn't mean us because we're good looking. We're like the folks at home listening. He's an Adonis. He's an Adonis. We might be handsome, but he's an Adonis. Yeah, yeah. Puzzle, That's what I'm saying. The best yeah. marble. For all the, for all the, so I think Victor's trying to rephrase the question. For the all not so good looking people <laughs> listening, I don't. I gotta. I'm gonna have to pay my PR people more because this is the best compliment fest ever. I love it. Um, thank you. <laughs> and I think I've never. Uh, this is gonna be tough to answer now because now I don't. I don't want to sound like a jackass, but I've never considered myself anything other than just me. Like I don't put. Other than tall, I mean, that one I can, it's pretty obvious. If I walk around and I'm a head taller than people, I will say, yeah, I'm tall. But when it comes to handsome and whatnot, I have always forever deferred to others. If, if somebody was happy 
and felt comfortable enough saying something complimentary in that way to me, I was extremely grateful and very welcoming of it because I usually needed it not feeling like, like I, you know, I struggle with self-worth. But the trick for me is to always just, I'm learning to be happy with me. Like I used to need that external and now I'm just grateful for it, but I used to need it. I used to struggle so much with like, I, I never felt, still don't feel handsome. I just, I want to feel, you said it, Victor, you said it, you feel secure. That yeah. is, that is that's attractive. That is infinitely more sexy than a shit ton of other things, brother. Like that security of self, which I'm looking for, that to me would create infinitely more handsome and infinitely more attractive than some pure physical exterior uh, aesthetic because that one changes man like i again thank you so much for the incredible compliments i love it and i'm so grateful and i'm gonna have a big dumb smile on my face not a big dumb american <laughs> smile just a normal one um, um, <laughs> that makes me feel, feel so good i meant it you know that from the heart like this shit is not scripted i'm just okay i have a list of questions so well, I appreciate it, but, though. I appreciate but they're, they're, they're definitely from a place of, because I'm looking at you and I'm like, if I saw you in a green room at a comedy club, I'd be like, that guy is going to kill it tonight. He's very handsome. So even if he has nothing to say, every, all eyes are going to be on him extra. Because like a guy like you, like I have to be 20 times funnier than you to get 10% of your attention. Or and you that, might look that's at me true. like, if you, if, if I was to take your perspective that you think I'm a decent looking fella, you might look at me in a green room and go, that guy is probably super unfunny and hung like a blowfly because there's no, like, right? You can't. <laughs> you no, only get one, the exact opposite. Still. You only get one thing. You only get, like, uh, people always <laughs> no, say, fine, like, tell you. <laughs> I just I'll find up just... twice for height. That's all. <laughs> That's all I do. How tall are you? Six, six four. Feet. Six, four. Jesus. Six, four. And yeah. Uh, so does the uh, carpet match the drapes? Victor, why don't you ask Dan about his only What's the saying? You, you got to trim the hedges to make the deck look bigger, guys. Come on. <laughs> oh, man, that's probably a swinging hammer. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> hey, Dan, I, I actually did have a, a serious question for you. So when, when you started doing acting, you did little parts, and then you got bigger parts in and like TV movies, I would say Hallmark movies type of thing, you know? And now, so like, how is that transition for you? Like as you're growing as an actor? Well, I, so I set a dream of being a lead in a, in a movie, Hallmark's Lifetimes or, or even like a crazy one where I get to work with Bruce Willis and Michael Rooker. Uh, but the incremental, you can't, you can't get there in one fell, like it's pretty rare that you get there in one leap right? You're going to yeah. take step by step. So it, it was just a natural progression. I would, nobody knows you, you got to build the confidence and earn the trust of the casting directors and the directors and the producers and whatnot. So you start out doing the smaller roles and you have to crush them. Like you have to treat them as professionally and have the same approach you would for a lead role. You don't show up going, oh, it's one line, whatever. I'll just say it. You do the homework, you get prepared and you do it like it's uh, like it's a lead role. And because I want to earn that same I got to create that mentality now. It's the same way I, how I became a, an athlete. You create that mentality on the entry level stuff so that it's there when you got the big, the bigger, big league stuff. So the, the smaller ones, the smaller roles, I treated them like they were massive roles. Cause for me at that moment, they were massive roles. They were stepping stones to get to the next level. And every time I got a new opportunity, I loved it because then the same way I got the nerves of stepping on the floor to perform, like to play volleyball against 
Team USA or doesn't whoever with their big dumb smiles. And then <laughs> also <laughs> handsome guys. Wickedly handsome. And son of a bitch, they were taller than me usually. So that was just human growth hormone. Right. It's in, yeah. it's in our milk. I'm, <laughs> right. I, I'm 6'2 and I'm Mexican. I should be 5'2. Something, something's in the milk. Say something what? In the milk. There's something in the milk here in America. My dad is a five foot nine. My mom is five foot six, and I'm six foot two. Crazy. And I look like my dad. It isn't one of those like, oh, you're the mailman's kid. Well, there's yeah, no, like, male, there's no Mexican mailman in my neighborhood. Okay. They're all Filipino or, and, and white, and that's it. But whatever. Not, not discriminating. Just, you know, just live in the suburbs. Or my parents live in the suburbs. I'm just thing for Easter. <laughs> at six year old who's already five foot four at 10. Five foot four. Oh my God. At 10 years old. I'm scared of like, <laughs> I'm like, listen, you little, you know, like that's going to, oh boy. He screwed at he screwed at any parties he goes to where there are pinatas and they get lined up from shortest to tallest. He screwed. Yeah, he's, he's, screwed. Yeah. he's last. He's last. That's it. There's gonna be a couple actually, of goats swinging before had him. Get a, He had to get his birth certificate for a hockey game because he's a helmet taller than everybody. And they're like, that's, that kid is not. No. And I was like, he is, that's my. I'm the coach. That's my son. They're like, what? Okay, that kind of makes sense. Anyway, speaking of hockey, shadow. speaking of hockey, you strike me as someone who plays hockey. I do. I love hockey, man. That is, that's my, that's my cathartic athletic outlet right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I've never played, but I watched the mighty ducks. I'm eight feet seven on skates. No, yeah. But Dude, uh, that's, mighty ducks. <laughs> that's really scary. Like without shoes, that's scary with, Oh my God, the hockey skates. I mean, that's why Canadians have universal health care because they like, <laughs> no, hockey? because, no, because like, you know, us Americans were like, oh, yeah, how fast is your car? How much do you make? And it's like, no, Canadians are like, yeah, I'll beat your ass at hockey, bro. And like, yeah. like real man stuff. And it's like, we're just like, oh, what can I buy? What, 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 what have I manipulated in our capitalistic society to be able to exploit uh, something that looks so luxurious? Like, um, like, like a car, but you know. That's an interesting, that's an interesting, I mean, I don't know if we're that far off of that. I think we're just nicer about it. Yeah. You well, might you know have by that excessively overpriced thing that I don't need. I think it's more of a, a kind well, of, I don't know. Another thing is like uh, about hockey, which I find it fascinating because if you look at like the stats and stuff, Americans, they don't know how to beat people up with a stick. <laughs> what? <laughs> like I'm just saying, because like the hockey is in Canada. And then only right? get two minutes in a penalty box for yeah, it. That's yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm, uh, I, mean, uh, yeah. I once heard hockey described as you get a you get a club and two night two blades a club and a hundred mile an hour projectile, and they yeah. call it a sport. Yeah. <laughs> Roddy, Roddy Dangerfield has the best hockey joke. It's like, yeah, I went I went to a fight the other day and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> exactly. That's a good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's great. It's the, I don't know any other hockey jokes. Now, Dan, I, I wanted to, I wanted to translate to something a little serious. Um, so yeah, with the <laughs> you know, before yeah, I, I start like this, my no, I'm not. But before I start this, my when I, uh, your people hit up me to to do the show, I said yes, and I told my sister, and my sister was like. Keith, do not fuck this interview up. <laughs> I, I was like, why? And she's like, because his peeps represent Hayden 
Paris or something like it's a girl that my sister loves. Oh, I, I, I was like, oh, OK. And she's like, you could get Hayden if you do great. I was like, what? I hope <laughs> so, we're doing all right for you, brother. I hope we're doing yeah. all right. But like, so right. I, I feel like I fucked this up for my sister. That's right. <laughs> you should learn Hayden's last name, dude. Well, well, no, she's not going to do it now. She's not going to do it now. No, of course she'll do it. I'll ask nicely. But what I'm saying is my sister well, put so much pressure on this. I'll apologize to you. Sorry. Hey, sister, I'm sorry I'm a terrible interview. It's my bad. <laughs> no, I'm I, a terrible interview. I apologize. I apologize. Also, Victor's highest balls. So it's no, I'm not. <laughs> no, but my sister did say that she, she did want me to tell you that she loved you in, in Wonderland or, or uh, Alice in Wonderland type thing. What was that called? Once upon a time? Yeah, mm -hmm. once upon a time. She said she loved that show. So cool. Yeah, that was a yeah. fun one. So, but uh, my serious question is this, like when you, when you're doing acting and stuff, because I don't know about you, like my, when I do stand up comedy and if I do good, I, 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 I feel great. But when I do bad, I'm very, very sad for like two weeks. When you do acting, do you feel like maybe if you like screwed up on a part or you feel like maybe you weren't good enough to do more, like, does that haunt you? And how do you like recover from that? Yeah. Cool question, brother. I, yes. When I do well, or I feel like I've done well, or I get good feedback about something, I definitely am riding a high. I, I enjoy that. And that's part of the euphoric state of being, you know, in bliss for what I do, but there is the other side of it. The difference I think for me was for you on standup, you don't have a director who goes cut. That was trash. Let's go again. And not that they've ever said that, but you know, like, they'll go cut. Hey, and they'll give you some notes and they'll be like, that's cool. I love what you're, I love where you're going, but let's try a little bit of this and that. And they'll throw, they'll pepper in some, some more sauces for you to mix in and you get another chance. So, and they won't move on because there's a, like a, a tiered hierarchy of having it to be successful, yeah. starting with casting. So casting directors want it to work because they bring in the people they think will make it work. And then they cast you and then the director will help you manage it on the day. And the, editor will then put it together in a way that makes what the director gave them work. And then, so you have a lot of fail safes in place to make sure that you're going to be successful enough to not have the, the major fall. Now, that being said, so no director will move on until they get the shot they need because they're on the line to tell the story. That's nice. Cause you know that you're just going to be able to give it your best. And that gives you, if you recognize that it gives you a sense of peace and freedom to try. Cause if you fail, the director's there to go, Hey, cool, I, I saw what you were doing there, but for this story arc or for what I'm trying to do or my vision, I need a little more of this. That's awesome. That being said, I've watched things that I've done and I've gone, ah, I wish I was a little bit more vulnerable in my effort to allow myself to be more free to tell that story in a slightly different way. That being like, so I'm seeing that because I'm inside my own head and I know what I was thinking on that day and what I was doing. The external vision, and I love it. I have a wife who's very, very, I said, you get blunt. She's very blunt. And I appreciate it because then there's no, you know, I know where I stand. So I go, hey, well, how was that, babe? And she's like, eh, it was all right. And I know when she says that, she's saying, I did my job. It showed up. I told the story and I moved it along. And nobody's going to be like, why does that guy ever work? I hope. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I know that I, I've, saw, I've seen exactly what she said. I'm, I wasn't as present or as vulnerable as I wish I could have been at that moment. And that's down to me doing my homework. I think what you do is so much harder. 
I think it is incredibly uh, honorable and unbelievable to go up on stage and be as like you're stripped naked. You're vulnerable as can be. And, and comedy is subjective. And you don't have a director going, cut. Hey, so maybe maybe three beats between the joke and the punchline. That might, you know, that's, that's all feel and, and your live act, you know, live action feed off a, of a crowd. That's yeah. an art form, dude. That's a that's a completely unbelievable, like kudos to you. So, oh, well, thank you. Uh, I, while you were saying that, I was just like, you know, because uh, you said your wife's very blunt. I was like, we should get her on the Zoom. I could diagnose her with autism. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm deja vu over here. Yeah, um, but no, uh, I I thank you for the compliment, but I actually I do disagree about comedy being subjective. I don't think comedy is subjective. I think um, I think what's funny is funny. Just everyone has different types of subjective humor. I think that's okay. I think that's a better uh, translation to it because I feel it's either funny or it's not. And people who don't think it's funny, it just means their humor is just wired in a different direction. Okay, cool. You know, yeah. And I think that's the same way with acting too, because I'm sure when you're acting, if they give you like you read a script and you're thinking, ah, I don't think my character will like say that. Like, do you ever turn into a way that you think the character will say in your point of view? Yeah. It through discussion. So yeah. I have a script supervisor and again, from my pro sports world, I always want to honor the, like I say, honor the writer. So in the same way that I, it's, they wrote it. They put that work in. My job is to tell that story. So if there's something that I'm struggling with or I'm marble mouthing a line or it's not resonating with me in terms of trying to get the intention of that line across to the other character, I will ask the director and if the script supervisor's there and if the writer's there even better, if I can change it. And if I can't change it, I've often had amazing directors give me a better insight into the line so that it makes more sense for me and I can say it in a way that tells the story for me as an actor, as well as for the writer. And I don't have to change anything, but it all comes down to a discussion. And then um, when you get rejected for parts, because I mean, you know, I'm not a scientist or anything, but I've auditioned for stuff. And I get rejected every single time. So I wanted to like your success rate, you have a lot of work. So you've hit in a lot of, you know, yeses, but I'm sure you've gotten a lot of no's. So I wanted to see like, how do you, how do you like stay on the horse on that? So, yeah, this is an industry based on no. And I get to, I'm very fortunate to be in a position to teach now. And I tell the young actors and the actors that I work with that it's not about booking the role. It's about buying tickets back into the room because your time will come. Uh, it's a, it's in a way a war of attrition. You have to love this job enough to know that the journey has to be a very big part of the joy. And the icing on the cake is when you book. And the way that I dealt with I never took it personally. Like they never said, Dan Payne, you suck. Maybe they did, but they were very, very subtle about it. I didn't hear it. Um, but what I did get notes from or understanding from is when I walked out, I was like, okay, my choices didn't resonate for them. That doesn't make me lesser. It means that I didn't choose. I, I, I believe you have to make strong choices. So I made strong choices that didn't resonate with the director or the producers or the casting director or whomever. And that's, and they, you know, it was a rejection based on that. So it's never personal. It's based on my performance and my choices in that performance and what I did. If I took it personally, I think it would be a lot more difficult. I don't know if that's just a protection tactic or what, but 
it made it, it made more sense to me that I, I'm going to make choices based on the best homework I can do. And once I've put it to a place where I'm comfortable and confident to provide or put it up in front of a casting director or, or directors, then that's the best that I can do. And if it doesn't work out, those are my choices that are being rejected, not me, Dan Payne, the individual. I'm, I'm creating a character. And that's how I dealt with it. I don't know, right or wrong, that's how I dealt with it. Uh, do you ever feel, this question's going to sound weird, but I, I mean it from a, a true, I'm just going to ask it if it sounds weird, I apologize. Do you feel that people with like, uh, like I'm a fella, you know what I mean? I'm a guy. I think like, you know, and, uh, you know, when I tell people like I'm sad or, you know, like I'm having, cause like I lost my best friend about six months ago. He was the guy I toured with and I've had a very tough time coping with it. I mean, you could ask Victor, like, you know, I call Victor all the time crying. And, um, I feel that people maybe think that since I'm a guy, that's not very manly. You know what I mean? So I was wondering, do you ever have, like, how do you get past that? Do you ever have that feeling sometimes? First of all, I'm so sorry for your loss, bro. Um, oh, and yeah, I, one of the reasons why I talk about the things that I'm going through is because there's a horrible stigma attached that you just mentioned that you're not supposed to cry if you're a man or feel sad or, or ask for help or any of those things. And I, I absolutely 100% disagree. I think that emotion is something being processed in within you and you, you shouldn't fight that. Like it feels good to learn to deal with something so that you can function or be even more successful or even get to the point where you're thriving. The, man, I, I, I don't know if this helps, but I cry all the time and I, I, I don't, I don't see it as a weakness or I don't see it as, I shouldn't because I'm a man. I see it as the fact that I'm starting to understand myself better and understand that emotions are an absolute part of who I am and a part of being human. And it doesn't matter whether you're wherever you are on the gender uh, scale in, in any way, shape or form. If you feel something, you should be in, entitled to and allowed to feel it. It's absolutely justified because it's something that it's going it's going through you. Why negate it or block it? It's going through you for a reason. And man, you suffered a hell of a loss that is going to affect you. Let it affect you in a way that you can grieve properly, mourn properly and find some. I think there's something on the other side of those tears, yeah. you know, but the, you have to have them to find the other side. I think in my experience, it's going to be uh, very difficult to move on with the grief because like I said, I toured with him and I did the same field and uh, it was Norm MacDonald. And um, it was just, uh, you know, so I feel like that's something that I'll, I'll never move on from because that's my, I do stand up and now I'm always going to be associated with Norm, you know what I mean? So I feel like it, I'm never going to have a healthy chance to move on unless I retire from stand up. And I don't want to do that because I like making people laugh, you know? Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I hope that, and the fact that you're talking about it right now, I think is incredible. And thank yeah. you for sharing that. Uh, I think that talking about it. I just wanted to save you from Googling me. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, my man. Too late. Too late. I like to do my homework. I like to do my due diligence. But yeah. at, at any rate, man, I, I think talking about it, and I know that 
very it was very kind of you to share where you're at right now but i think talking about it, especially victor thank you like everybody needs a victor somebody they can call yeah. somebody they can talk to and share and 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 vent release process you know all these things i hope that in talking about it because you're doing that you're talking about it that you can find a place where you can get the memory of norm to be something that you get to honor by doing what you do and continue to do you know like carry the torch for for him in a way that he can no longer by honoring the memory whatever it is like you process it for you and get to a a place that works for you i don't know i mean that's i go to a therapist dude i, I go to somebody to talk to them because they're professionals who help me get my head around things like that but yeah. from, you know in my world and i'm grateful for it because i otherwise i could sit in here and make a whole big mess yeah uh, have you ever wanted to do stand-up comedy? Because I think you should and let me open for you. I need a job. <laughs> I think I should open and it's not filmed or recorded in any way, shape, or form. No. And then you go on a headline. <laughs> and then, honestly, just by juxtaposition, you wouldn't have to do much to be seen like the funniest man on the planet. It'd be great. Oh, no. If I opened for you, I'll, I'll, I'll be bad. I don't care. I just... <laughs> Well, if you I set just, the bar low enough, I might be able to. <laughs> yeah, I just need to find a new norm, and you're Dan. So, hey, Dan. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'd be honest. Listen, I'll have to get my brother, who I think is, like, funny like you guys. I'll get my brother to come out and then write for me. And then, I, you know, I love acting. I'll just perform it like I'm an actor. I'll pretend yeah, to be a stand-up comedian, and then we're good. Me and Victor could write you jokes. There we go. Yeah. yeah Victor, man. you got any uh, questions for the great Dan Payne? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so you're definitely a huge advocate for mental health. Uh, but there's a lot of people that get their ideas about mental health for mainstream media and entertainment. Uh, how is mental health being depicted on television and film that you would like to see change to give a better understanding of how depression affects everyday people? That if you want to repeat that again, it's kind of like long winded. No, I love it. <laughs> I think it's getting better. I, I think because people are talking about it a bit more and realizing that it's not an obscure, uh, minute or minor group of people that, that have, have to deal with some mental health issues. I think that the recognition of the fact that this is more common than place than we'd like to, to admit, which is helping reduce the stigma. I think in reducing the stigma, you don't have to, um, what's the word? Not glorify it, but it doesn't have to be this hyperbolous, crazy thing to, to make a, a great story on TV. Like depression, I think some of the most depressed people might be the funny, smiling, happy people in a room because they're completely masking the fact that inside they're dying. So it's hard. To, it's really hard to depict that on TV unless you're doing a show about somebody who's struggling with depression and we can see them wear that mask of, the big smile and the happy, goofy, go lucky thing. And I know that that's how a lot of me keeping it hidden because I, I feared the stigma. I didn't want to be seen as broken or I didn't want to be discovered as broken. That I would pretend to be that everything's okay and laugh and try and be the, you know, life of the party. Uh, but that's a really tough one to show on TV. So I hope that, and I don't know how, I think it's getting better. I think it's less, um, I don't know how to say, it's, not, it's less Hollywood. Like it's less like, over-dramatized to make a point that, oh my God, that person's depressed or that person's anxious or that person's bipolar. 
it's not the obvious tropes of those things, but it's more the subtle realities that it could be your best buddy or your neighbor and you don't even know. One of the things I always, uh, I actually tell Victor this all the time is I'm a big, I'm a big fan of saying, I love you, even if I don't even mean it, you know what I mean? Because, uh, (laughs) Uh, and, uh, what? I'm just saying, because like you have me all the way up until the last bit there. You have me. <laughs> yeah, you don't say it unless you mean it. That's all whole point of love. That's all whole point of love. Yeah, but like I, I feel if you just let people know that you know uh, I love you. You know, it's not really a like because I love Victor like a brother, like an actual brother, but he's not my actual brother. And I love you like an actual brother, but I've never met you except on Zoom. You know what I mean? So like, I, I'm i a big believer in letting people know that they're loved because I feel that if you people aren't alone, whatever they're, yeah. they're dealing with, they're not alone. And I feel if they know that they're loved, then it says, okay, you can keep going to this journey on the battlefield, you know? Uh, I love that. And... I'm going to throw right. I love you too for that alone. That's a beautiful thing. I, I love, so my friends and I, there's, you're also breaking down the stigma with doing that, right? Cause you're not, you guys don't say I love you to other guys unless there's something. No, you can just love people and you can tell them that and it's cool and it's okay. I'm grateful that in the recent years and I can't, I don't know how many last decade that my best friends in the, in my circle, we do say that. All right. I love you, brother. See you, see you soon. And that didn't happen before that. I remember in university, there's no way I would tell my friends like, Hey man, I love you. See ya. Cause they would have like, it would have been a record scratch. Like, yeah, I was a great imitation of a record scratch. I have a future in Walla. If the acting thing doesn't work out. Definitely do stand up. Definitely yeah, do stand up, man. Like, like I said, I, I get already picked you in the green room. I watch. I mean, I, I, I watched. Uh, I looked at a lot of the videos on your Facebook, and I'm like, this guy's really likable. This guy's like, you make you make mental health sexy. So I'm like, <laughs> like, like you should be, like, I don't know, like if there was like, like, like Depression Weekly, like you know, it'd be like the poster boy, like that. Yeah, the depression's hot this week or like what or like you know or this month or this year like you know it needs to be celebrated um because like no for real I, I was just trying to be funny there but um in reality though i really do think that you are destigmatizing um mental health issues that people might have by just talking about it, being so open yourself and i'm like oh shit if uh, because like from the outside looking in because like um i never had much self-esteem so i'm looking at you look from the outside and i'm like dude this fucking handsome white gentleman right here. He's um, he's the American dream. You know, I like this guy's like, what the fuck's he got to be depressed about? But I'm just like listening to like everything that you're going through with acting. And it's like very similar to stand up. And your passion for, for, for acting is on the same level with me and Keith. Because you like the way we see it is we treat every time that we get stage time like an audition. Somebody that audience is potentially going to hire you, whether it's that venue or somebody else like, oh, yeah, we're having a bachelor party or my cousin's getting married or like it's my it's my brother's birthday party or, you know, like, oh, you'd be great for this. And so you get hired for other things, not just for traditional stand up show like some I've had two uh, couples ask me to marry them 
So I don't even, I'm not, I, I became an ordained oh, like minister. a polygamy thing. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, uh, uh, well, <laughs> and Dan, no, no, no. <laughs> just so you know, I had a couple ask me to diagnose them with autism. So I get it all the time. <laughs> there you go. And Victor, if I can just speak to that whole thing, and I appreciate you bringing it up that, I don't know if you can hear my dog, I apologize. Um, the, the one thing that I, so talking about it is important to me because I, didn't talk about it and it kept me in the dark and it kept me in a, a place I don't want to be anymore. So I want to talk about it if that just on the off chance that it helps somebody else find that same courage, strength or opportunity, whatever it is. And they have a victor like you do, Keith, to, to call and just go, hey, man, this is I'm not good and move it forward. But depression or mental health does not give a shit what you look like, how much you make, where you're from what your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever looks like. It just, no, it does not matter. And that's, again, another reason why I tried to keep it quiet because I heard what you said, Victor, but from people who didn't have an understanding or an awareness, they were just like, dude, bullshit. Like they were literally kind of saying, shut up, man. You're not allowed to be depressed. No. You're six foot four playing on the volleyball team at the university and you're dating that girl that we, you know, blah, 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 fuck you. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're sorry. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the part that they didn't mean to. And there's no, I have, they had no malicious intent, but they just had no awareness and understanding. And I hope by talking like we are, that there's an awareness and understanding enough so that somebody else goes, yeah, screw it. I'm going to take a chance and tell my buddy or my best friend or my loved one that I'm not doing so good. Dan, I, I want to respect your time, but I do have three more questions. Is that cool? I'm totally, I'm here. You got me, man. I'm here until you uh, okay, you, cool, get the hell out. Yeah. You know, I, I know like the 45 minute segment, I don't want to say, hey, how much for overtime? I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like this is very serious stuff. And like that, that's why like I, I do comedy because like, you know, we're having a lot of laughs and stuff. But the point of the, the interview, I think I, you know, my sister might think this is, you know, I fucked up this interview, but I actually think this is a great interview because I feel we're talking about major stuff, but we're also letting people know it's okay to laugh. Absolutely, man. A absolutely. Like, I love that. It's, it was a coping mechanism. Yeah. But also a relief, like it's a relief valve. It's a, it's a release. La like smiling, like Victor's giant, beautiful smile that makes other people smile. Yeah, that's my there. meme. Whenever I'm not getting laughs, I play his giant smile. There you go, right? But just it, it, there's a science behind smiling, creating the endorphins that make you feel better. And if you're going to laugh and feel good, you're going to feel better. And even if it's for a minute, that's a reminder of the fact that you can feel better. So mm -hmm. I agree a thousand percent. And I used it as a coping mechanism and a refuel for that emptiness I felt inside. Sure. It's not going to sustain me forever. I've got to do the work and I've got to go talk to a therapist and do the things that I need to do for me. And everybody's got to find out what it is they have to do for them. Go, go visit a naturopath. I've done that too. Find out if your, if your chemical levels are out, just do what you got to do. But the, the laughter as to go back to the main thing. Yeah, man, laughter is, it is a medicine of it in its own right. I'm grateful for what you guys do. I love the fact that I've been able to sit here and laugh and I know we're talking about serious stuff, but I feel good. Yeah. Uh, I could I could get a sense of that because I could read energy and like usually like people who I interview it's either they love me 
like best interview ever. I want to do it. Or they say, block this guy's email. I don't ever want to do it. <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to get a block. You know what I mean? I might not get Hayden, but I might get, hey. You know? hey wait, wait. Hey, <laughs> hey, PR people. Please do not charge for the overtime on this one. I love Keith and Victor. <laughs> Uh, so my, my three last questions, my sister actually wanted me to ask you this. Um, she says, Dan, cause that's your name. Uh, she says, Dan, what was it like holding a uh, Thor? I don't know his name. His name's Chris, whatever. But I said Hemsworth. Thor cause I know him from Thor. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what she wrote, but I know him as Thor. So I think she's talking back to cabin in the woods and I'm, yeah. Yeah. So I got to meet Thor before he was Thor. And uh, it, it, he's annoying as hell because he is ridiculously good looking, <laughs> fit beyond all comprehension, funny as can be, super tall, sexy. Like you just want to punch him right in the throat, basically. <laughs> and the then you feel extremely guilty and want to make sure that he was okay it's he's a he's a wonderful human being like he is he is all the hype and more and i'm 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 so glad and i know we haven't really mentioned but i'm beyond honored to have worked with bruce willis and michael rooker and that corrective measures i can't wait for it to come out i think it's going to be special like like popcorn movies sit there drooling yourself have a fun ride we're not curing any kind of anything we're just having fun but Chris Hemsworth is like those guys. Like they're they have a presence and a power, and they're they're legends already in their own right for a reason. Yeah. And I was grateful to meet. Yeah. So holding his well chiseled and this is for your sister. Uh, well chiseled <laughs> and muscle, Her muscle name's Stephanie. Money. Stephanie. Stephanie. It was it was everything I dreamed about and more. Um, <laughs> there you go, years. Stephanie. There's a free cameo from Dan Payne. Right. Uh, He's a great guy. He, he's a great guy. I think he booked Thor while we were doing Cabin in the Woods. If I'm, I mean, I hit my head a lot and I've had a few concussions, but I think that rings a bell or I'm just hearing bells. Either way, something in that was true. Yeah. And then I actually did have, I wanted to talk about the Bruce Willis movie, but I had one more question about Cabin in the Woods. Yep. I, 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 I think these questions are usually hack and not really original. So I apologize. But, um, <laughs> Did you ever What's meet your favorite color? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's blue. But, Me uh, too. Okay, it, now we have handsome and blue and, yeah. And we have five things in common. This is great. Yeah. The sixth thing is uh, your PR people is going to want to represent me just to screw up interviews. They're going to be like, hey, we'll get all the bad clients we really don't want. We'll have you interview. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, uh, the question is this, uh, did you ever meet Richard Jenkins? Yep. I met, yeah. How was he? Was he cool? He, yeah. I, I, for the blip of a meet for him. Cause I, you know, they parade I was a zombie. So they paraded all the zombies in cause they wanted to see what they looked like. And I got to come in and say, hi, shake his hands and uh, shake his hands. He has two. I shook, I shook both. Uh, he came on and shake his hand, uh, and say hi, but it was, it was very brief. He was very gracious and kind, but it was very, very brief. I just like it's just one of those tick the box things like holy crap hi mr jenkins and then out well the reason why i mentioned that is because he's one of my favorite actors but he's also like in a way he's kind of like you he started off with small stuff 
And then as his career went up, he got bigger stuff. So I was thinking like maybe he, he's like a, a good role model for people. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it sounds like he did the work, right? Like, I, I don't know. I That's for me, it was about doing the work. And yeah, I bet you he did. I mean, he he's a he's got the technician side of it, but he's also a creative soul. Right. So that's a beautiful blend. He can do all the technical stuff and then throw this unbelievably unique creative twist on everything. It's kind of, yeah, that's the dream, right? Yeah. That's my dream. And then your new movie with Bruce Willis, what, what are your thoughts about since, you know, this just happened last week, Bruce Willis is retiring. Like what are, what are your thoughts of that? And like, how cool is it to know that you're in one of his last movies? booking like finding out that I got the role and knew that I knowing that I would get to meet and work and share screen time with Bruce Willis was as mind-blowing as anybody who like I grew up with him defining cool for me you know moonlighting and and die hard is the best Christmas movie ever it was I was already on cloud nine to know that that was just going to happen and then to meet him also equally he has such a presence he is he looks a million bucks like he Fountain of Youth looks amazing, bigger in person than I thought he'd be. Because I every time I meet actors, usually like the, the Tom Cruise thing. No offense, Tom. Yeah, yeah. He's just not super tall. Um, <laughs> but he's incredible. For the folks at home, uh, Dan's trying to say Tom is short. Thank you. Yeah. Not anything else. He's amazing. And I would kill to work with him too. Not kill. That sounds wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, to, to know that I got to be in the, you know, one of his last two films uh, is a pretty, it's an honor. It's an honor and a gift that I didn't know, you know, that it, it, I was already blown away by just meeting him, working with him, knowing I got to be in a film with him. But it's now that he's retiring and stepping away to be in one of the last couple that he, that's huge. I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful that I got the, I, he's a legend. I, I admire him. I know his career. So, yeah, it might not mean as much to younger kids. You're like, die who? Where? Yeah. <laughs> I think he actually transcends time. I think his iconic status transcends. Like he's, everybody would know. But yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling because he, I'm flustered. That guy was, it's Bruce Willis, man. You know, he's known for an action star, but a lot of people don't, don't realize he had like some comedy chops too. Like he did this movie. I don't remember what it was called, but it was really funny. It had Goldie Hawn. And uh, God damn it, what's her name? Mar- Marilyn Street. And like he, like they they're dead or whatever, and he keeps bringing them back to life. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, rings a bell. And uh, he like pushes Goldie Hawn down the stairs or whatever. This is back when they were both hot. So like, you know, I'm telling you, he I mean, still has the looks. Yeah, he still got it. Uh, what yeah. was it? Uh, Murder by death or death by murder or something. I don't remember. Anyways, but he has the chops. That's what I'm trying to say. He's a funny dude. Oh, and did, Moonlighting. Did you? I don't know if you ever saw it. That's a pretty, that's an older show, but he was very funny in Moonlighting as well. Yeah. No, I, I never saw it. charm about him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw him in The Sixth Sense. I, you know, for a movie that was that creepy, I actually thought he was kind of funny in it. And I don't know. I think that's the dark sense of humor I have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I like I, it. There's, I caught myself laughing. Yeah, yeah, like, well, like when, uh, when he, he, his wife's just ignoring him, you know, like he, he, at this time people don't know he's dead. I'm just thinking, haha, that's how my parents act. 
Now, Dan, uh, last question I had for you. Uh, do you have any desire to go into like a writing or, or producing field? Because I feel just by looking at you, I could tell by the energy. I, I, I feel you have some stories in that heart of yours. You just want to leech out. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. I'm actually writing a script right now with a friend of mine in Florida that we're, we're excited about. And I definitely have dabbled in the writing world with, I need a friend, like a, I, well, I need, always need a friend, but I need a friend who knows writing because the whole story arcs in the, <laughs> there you go, <laughs> to help me uh, structure the story properly. Because I've got all the ideas. I love the dialogue side of, of writing, but structuring a story, sometimes I can, you know, I could miss the middle act needs this piece and that piece and the, you know, um, but yeah, I definitely want producing. I definitely want to produce as well because I want to have a little bit more say in the, what I put my creative uh, world into. I, I want to have more say in the, in the pieces that I, that I perform and the, and the characters that I play. Oh, well, you, you want to hear a quick a little writing trick for you? Because so, yeah, I, I write scripts and this is how I write them. I've never sold any, so it's probably not good advice, but <laughs> so when I write a script, right, on the on the screenplay and stuff, uh, I I write with my favorite actors in mind. So like every movie I write, I write movies for John Cusack and Dan Payne. And I think, OK, they're going to do this movie because it helps give the character and the story flow. I love that. And also that whole personality that you associate with that person comes through in the. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So I was just thinking maybe. If you're writing a sweet movie about an Asperger kid who does stand-up comedy and he meets another Asperger kid that he diagnosed. Seems rather specific. I have one question. Yes, sir. When does the interview start? Because I've just been having a good time, man. I don't Oh, we're about to start right now. Yeah. yeah I was okay. I was just trying to like break this the is, ice. This is a hell of a warm-up. This is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so dan you're an actor huh <laughs> yeah yeah uh in yeah. all seriousness uh where can the folks at home follow you and support you oh thank you i am uh old so i'm only really aware of instagram at the moment um and then there's cool buttons that you can press that send it out to other things so on instagram i'm at actor dan Payne. somebody already took dan Payne, so it had to be actor dan Payne. Um, and that, yeah, so it, it, I do things on Instagram and then they get fed out to Twitter and Facebook. Uh, haven't tackled TikTok yet. Scared of it. I watch my kids' brains get sucked right into it. And uh, yeah. just, stay away from TikTok, man. Uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. I'm crying. So far, so good. I'm, that's like the one game I suck at. Well, yeah, I'm. What are you talking about? Social media stuff or no TikTok? The game TikTok. Yeah, my my TikTok game is super weak. In fact, non-existent. Victor, do you have any last second questions for the great Dan Payne before we let him go on TikTok? Dude, this is a Mexican goodbye. You're just like, yeah, we just said goodbye like 20 minutes ago, and it's just like, hey, do you have anything else? It's just like, yeah, of course I do. I've like, I have a bunch of questions. I was just like. But um, if you want to answer them, I, I would love for you to. If I can only ask one question. Uh, um, which I'm going to ask right now. Um, you don't have to answer it, but I mean, this is like um, based on the videos that you put on Instagram that you, that connect to a Facebook, because that's what came up when I uh, did the Google. 
that's what came up first to Facebook. And so like, or at least on my search or whatever, but like, um, and so I, I wanted to know um, what is the best advice that you could give entertainers that feel super depressed, but also have a professional obligation that they need to complete. And I, I feel like maybe a broken record, but I, cause I've been in that situation. I kept it quiet. And I felt that the professional, I gave the professional obligation more weight, the external of the professional obligation, more weight than the internal health that I needed to be able to thrive in the professional uh, obligation. So I guess the best advice, and again, this is the broken record side is find someone that you can talk to and just tell them, start, start the conversation and you'll find that you're not alone. And if you, Again, I want to also, I've said this every time, thank you guys for sharing and giving me space to share. But if you find that you're feeling those things and you're struggling, there's going to be somebody in your life. It could be your brother, sister, mom, dad, parent, family, whatever, best friend, long lost aunt that just for some reason you're connected to where you feel like you can talk to. Or I, I don't know, some if, if you have religion and your priest, pastor, or whatever is somebody that you feel... Just say it out loud. I know that when I said it out loud, because I wanted to deny it for myself, when I said it out loud, it immediately lost power. And I think by giving it a name to, and taking its power away, even slightly, it gives me a bit better chance to take control of what's going on. So the more I talk about it, the more, and this is, again, as much cathartic and therapeutic for me, but I'm hoping somebody else finds the strength or courage or whatever it is to get there. Just tell somebody, just, just say it out loud to somebody. And then you're going to have to be accountable and responsible. And that person will be there for you. I, I almost, I can't guarantee anything, but I almost feel like I could guarantee that that person will be there. Well, Dan, uh, you, you have my number. And uh, if you ever need a laugh or whatever, you know, I'll always, you know, call you and cheer you up as best as I can. Like Norm did that for me when I first met him. He's like, here's my number. And if you're ever depressed, you know, and you want to kill yourself, just call me and wait 48 hours. And if you don't hear from me, call me again and just wait 48 hours. And then he said, if you don't hear from me again, after that 48 hours, try one more time. And if you don't hear from me, then try again. And then after the fourth time, then you can kill yourself. I don't know what that means, but, but, uh, you know, it always cheered me up because he was always, <laughs> Oh my God. I, I love you, Dan. And, and, you know, and, and seriousness, thank you for letting me interview you. And thank love you, too, brother. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for letting me make you smile. It really meant a lot to me. I cannot thank you enough for the laughs and the smiles, man. I'm, my day is on the right path now and I'm, I'm grateful. All right, Dan. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Have a good day. Take care, guys. Peace. See you, Victor. See you later. All right. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on stereo if you would like to chat with me there. 
www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.